0: You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today I'm excited to have a special guest back with us, Greg Petro of First Insight. With decades of experience in retail economics and growing SaaS businesses, Greg has helped build First Insight, a technology company transforming how retailers make product and pricing decisions into the world's leading platform for creating differentiated products. Greg has extensive knowledge in the retail and technology industry, having held previous roles at Saks Inc., Macy's, and more. His expertise and dedication to the industry has been touted at events, including NRF's Big Show and WWD's CEO Summit, and in publications such as The Wall Street Journal, Fortune, Forbes, CNBC, and the Financial Times, where he's discussed how retailers can navigate today's disruptions. Recently, Greg was recognized as one of NRF's 25 most influential people in retail and Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year. Greg, thank you so much for being with us again today.
1: Hi, Melissa. Great to be here.
0: So for those in the audience that are familiarizing themselves with First Insight, can you give us a high-level overview of the company?
1: Sure. Um, So First Insight is a technology company that helps retailers, brands, and manufacturers, as companies have known us now for more than a decade, um, as the folks who do digital product testing globally, um, using voice of the customer and predictive analytics. Um, We work with hundreds of the largest retailers, brands, and manufacturers uh, to understand what consumers want within products, which ones are going to resonate, how to price them, who to target, et cetera. And um, over those over that period of time, uh, we've fortunately grown into be the largest uh, organization to do that um, uh, worldwide.
0: Well, I love that we're talking about predictive analytics because it's definitely been a big topic of 2020 and kind of how do we rethink because some of it, so much of it is built on historical information and things have changed so quickly in 2020. So I'm really excited to hear about some of the the learnings that are possible for 2021. On that note, you've launched uh, a new product, uh, the Next Generation Experience Management Platform. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why you launched it?
1: Sure. So uh, the NextGen XM platform for First Insight is really uh, gr- grew out of organically the needs of our customers. As I mentioned, w- we are and have been supporting hundreds and hundreds of retailers, brands, and manufacturers over the over the years. and we started to ask ourselves internally, why are we running insights in certain ways and forms, which I'll describe, I think, throughout this discussion, Um, you know, more than just the product. We were doing package testing. Things like, uh, should a garment be folded versus hanging? Do the consumers want that? And, uh, you know, what do millennials want versus others? And organically, our customers basically said, you're in a unique position, given the support technology that you provide today to help us understand other problems. And so what we realized was that we had been doing next-gen experience management for, for longer than we thought, and it was time for us to be able to package that and um, offer it up to our customer base and a growing set of uh, potential customers and prospects.
0: I love that. It sits at the heart of of the conversations I'm having so much this year as we're rethinking story design and understanding, you know, the touch points that give you those points of gratification. Um, Because to me, that's the icing. That's the layer we really need to make sure that they're weaving into the in-store experience. What are the pillars? What are the different pillars of the new platform? Can you share examples of each?
1: Sure. So there are four. uh, Customer, product, brand, and employee And um, actually, it's interesting because there was a study done by Deloitte, I believe, in 2015 or 16. And uh, in that study, where they evaluated companies, and this is to your earlier point about the experience that consumers have and are seeking, uh, they did a, a study of publicly traded companies and which ones were actually enjoying the greatest growth in sales and profitability. And what they found was in a simple uh, two-by-two analysis that they represented in their study is that companies that actually differentiate their product obviously enjoy a better benefit of growth and profitability. And those that do experience around, you know, the environment and other aspects also enjoy a great benefit or improvement in those areas. But when it's combined, between the product differentiation and the experience differentiation, the uh, benefits to consumer, to the company is the largest. And um, so for us, it was really about broadening beyond the product itself that we are, have been testing for years to um, the, co- the consumer experience, the environmental experience which can be at the brand level or at at the company level and and ultimately employees as well because they're a huge part of the equation. And so those are the four fundamental uh, pillars for us and enabling companies and decision makers in those companies to understand what is their different types of consumers thinking about and needing what prop from a product lens perspective how does that look to different groups of consumers so it's the inverse of looking at it from the customer lens the brand which is the company itself and what does it represent and then finally the employees within that brand Um, you know what, what they're they're such an untapped resource so I think those four components drive for us the ability to give a company a not only 360 degree view of their company from a consumer's perspective, from a customer's perspective, but also an inside outlook.
0: I love that those are the four pillars and I love that you've brought up um, in employees as a key factor. I feel like if any any year is going to emphasize the importance of your employees, it's 2020 um, and the way they've had to pivot um, the way that you know they've been utilized across touch points you know, taking the in-person staffer and, and bringing them to your call center or, you know, having them be a partner to a customer through virtual channel. So I'm really interested to see, you know, kind of what evolves from that in the years to come.
1: Yeah, I think there's a, a lot to be said uh, as it relates to the employee. I mean, keep in mind, you know, they're changing and evolving as rapidly as the customer is, right? Uh, I mean, we're all yeah, experiencing this exactly. together. And so you've seen people shift back to their 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 a work from home environment, and and then companies responding to that. And I think it's very interesting. We'll, maybe we'll talk about that and when we look at things into the future and how customers and and as well as um, pro, um, employees will respond post COVID.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, So, you know, this platform really expands First Insight's offering to new industry sectors, um, including consumer products, travel, leisure, entertainment, automotive, financial services. Um, What do you see in the retail industry, and what are the parallels as you expand into new categories?
1: Yeah, so when we look at industry sectors, I think the interest is that um, the, the key is that the consumer is pivoting their behavior and spend as it relates to what's occurring in the environment. So as an example, we heard a lot about it well before COVID in 1999, how the consumer and segments of the consumer, in fact, were changing their purchasing behavior to um, experiences, you know, travel, leisure, et cetera. Uh, maybe it was restaurants and obviously that's changed dramatically and evolved um a, as well as will evolve into the future so from our perspective it became massively important to be able to support um a view of consumers in a, in a very i think holistic view the sense is that that customer has you know a set Um, budget. And in that budget, they're going to spend it on a a, a series of things, whether it be investments in savings, as we're seeing the shift into that for right now. And soon we think that will shift out of savings into some of the other experiences, or into automotive sectors or travel and leisure. So from our perspective, it became only natural to be able to allow our capabilities to be leveraged by consumer products companies um, naturally that became organic for us because the blend of the uh, of the products that we were testing when we first started out in apparel quickly grew into almost every product segment uh you know it, that that was sh- sold within retail um So consumer products, travel, leisure, and entertainment, financial services, and automotive. So these are all capabilities that I think um, uh, uh, industries that can leverage our capabilities today in that customer perspective.
0: No, I think it's so great that you're able to cross and find those parallels. I think the other thing so much in 2020 that we've seen is just the power of, of partnerships and the announcement of certain partnerships that are really thinking outside the box and some of these industries collaborating in ways that were unexpected. So I can imagine your insights would be helpful in strategizing through some of those partnerships as well. Were you going to say something?
1: No, I was just going to say that's absolutely correct. I think it's a, you know, it's an example. We're, we're seeing it in some of our companies that happen to have credit services and other aspects of the holistic aspect of the consumer and how they can offer that. You know, pay, a buy now, pay later. All, all of these are combined into the total experience of what consumers are trying uh, to do and, and necessary for brands to understand deeply.
0: No, absolutely. And I think that segues into really diving a little deeper into How does a next-gen experience management platform help companies? How are you helping your clients make better decisions, better business decisions?
1: Sure. So let's just take it apart. You asked the question earlier about um, each of the pillars. Let me give you an example about each of the uh, pillars that we described. The easiest one that most companies or people within this industry today know us, First Insight, is on the product side. Um, we've been doing digital, in fact, we founded the space of digital product testing and voice of the customer uh, a little over 14 years ago. And, and the concept was, can we take products in, in pre-market stages and help them help the decision maker, you know, uh, a merchant, a decision maker, a proprietor, understand which products are going to resonate with consumers better? So that is our core fundamental competency and a space we defined and created a long time ago. And that's only grown in capabilities to include things like help me understand what attributes within the products resonate or you know most recently with all the social challenges that we face and we'll only continue to face because I think you know as time goes on Companies are, are understanding better what consumers interact with in societal formats. And so we launched capabilities around you know the identification of offensive products. And we've helped a number of companies who didn't see things within their product design, whether it be in the design or the representation of the product that could represent a, a, and offend a number of people within the social climate and, and, and social environment. And so we think that's great capabilities. And we just continue to add to that and, and expand on those capabilities on the product side. On the consumer side, in fact, or, or customer experience side, so that was product experience. On the customer experience side, it's about helping um, these, com- these decision makers understand intimately well segmentation data around consumers, both in their own customer base and in prospects. So if you think about it, companies will say, we heard this back in 2008, we need to grow our customer base outside of the baby boomers, we need millennials, are coming up. And so we've been working in the customer segmentation uh, lens, I call it, for some time, but really, that has dramatically fragmented and increased as time has gone on, and it's a trend that's only going to continue. And so, consequently, we're helping companies understand which products need to be made for what segments. But most importantly, how much of it do they need to build or make to make themselves profitable? Because you can't—it's you, impossible to make everything for everybody at this stage. And so taking your, your brand point of view and developing product sets that resonate with segments of consumers that you want, that's the consumer lens that we're helping companies with. And we have hundreds of case studies around each of these. Um, the next is on the brand side. And you know, I thought it uh, really um, poignant to look at an example when we were going into our, customer case studies and talking to some of the folks in our teams, what are our customers doing? And one came about, and it was out of a uh, spirits and winery company. And authentically they wanted to, they have iconic brands and they wanted to understand labeling and packaging and what was going to resonate and how it resonated with the brand. And include Instagram messages and testing and Instagram ads and so social is such a big part of it that how the brand gets represented on these social platforms and how it resonates with each of these groups is is a huge important aspect of the brand itself so that's an example around brand and and as i said we probably have hundreds of these but i can't you know off the top of my head it's the first one that pops into my mind the last one on the employee side gosh we've been doing um employee testing for some time around products in fact we've had designers and some brands that you know you would recognize well that have been testing new designs with just their employee base for some time and i call that inbound employee uh, sourcing around the products right Um, what do you think we should be bringing to market what do you think the customer would want it's a way of testing assumptions around the financial plans, but on the outbound side, you know, I'll give you an example of our own. We, we started uh, during COVID, uh, cri- during the COVID crisis, um, survey our own employees to understand what do they want from their work environment in the future? And we came up with some startling and rattling results. Um, we suspected that, hey, listen, who's gonna wanna go back to an office? right? Why, why would they? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I'm listening to the announcement most recently yesterday, I think it was from Google that said, hey, listen, we don't expect to open our offices to July and September. Or you could take it from REI who closed their headquarters and sold it. Um, I'm shocked to be honest with you because I think companies need to engage their employees in a in a very authentic way using technology, you know, like ours or what have you because what we found was some surprising results like the youngest segmentation of our employee base is the most desirous to meet in person. And part of that is because we heard things like, well, you know, the mentorship aspects of growing my career are better in person and so when we thought about mothballing locations that's not a great idea because that opportunity is now debunked right and so I was shocked when REI decided to close their headquarters the way they described it so quickly maybe you know maybe their organization did that research and hopefully they had Um, but I think that you know it's clear that that employees, consumers, everyone is actually evolving throughout this entire process. And that's, I think, the key point. You've got to stay in touch. And the way to communicate is to listen really well.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. Listening is the power that we forget and what we can learn within that. Um, I also think, you know, one of the things that we continue to talk about in the years ahead is the opportunity for personalization so i would think too these insights that you're gathering will further help your clients be able to deliver experiences that are more personalized to their
1: consumers no question i think as time goes on we're going to we're we are going to see that that is the critical path to success it is you know i've often said this internally we need to be the best listening platform in the world and we need to help companies listen better to, to not validate what they think in every case, but to, but to clearly hear what people are saying and, and so they can understand better exactly what they need to do to achieve their results.
0: So do you have, I know this new platform is a bit early and its uh, infancy. But do you have any early case studies that you can share where you've been able to um, pull some of these insights and and make recommendations and see um, success in the outcomes?
1: Yeah, we're very fortunate. Uh, You know, our organization has um, been able to capture many, many case studies. And in fact, quite a number of them are 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 public on our website at firstinsight.com but we also uh have created a library of best practices and so i think that uh it's enabled us organizationally to help companies start out on the best 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 path forward immediately um and and it also shortens cycles because there's learnings here, um, and you know when you go with uh, when you're working with a company like ours, we, we, we have a great deal of expertise and a great deal of knowledge, so we begin to understand that problem relatively quickly, and then can execute. I mean, in fact, we've helped companies in days, you know, from a from a CEO conversation that I've had with another CEO to, to explain a problem like trying to figure out how to you know uh, increase working capital to actually executing on that strategy has taken less than a couple of weeks and giving them the information that they need and i think that's critically important in today's environment as well i mean these things need to be done in days the execution of information in, in our case is hours and uh, it's necessary for people,
0: no, I think that is critical because um another theme of the of the year is just so many decisions that took three years had to happen within months, and so I think it's taught people to be a little bit more agile in their thinking um and in the way in which they execute and knowing, you know, I might not solve for a hundred percent of the pie, but maybe I can solve for twenty five percent of it, and that can still be impactful. Um, and we can only do that if you could get those insights quickly and figure out, you know, what are the action steps
1: to those insights. That's exactly right. Agility is it, and speed are critical elements at this point. And it isn't going to just be post COVID. I mean, this is. I expect that, you know, in the future, a lot's not going to change. It's only going to increase.
0: Well, I think we've touched upon a number of things that we think are the new norm. Um, for, for the retail industry, but I'd love to dig in a little deeper. Um, what, are, what are your predictions for 2021 from a consumer perspective and a retailer's perspective? And we could do the, the 2021 because it's most eminent, but then you know, what do you think happens in the next three to five years?
1: Sure. Um, well, I think it's there's a, a number of predictions, I think, that I could share from a point of view related to the industry for 2021. But I think I would, I would choose one. And if I choose one in particular uh, that really relates to the customer and the employee side, it's going to be that um, people aren't going to want to go back. As much as the industry may desire that, as much as employers might desire that, I don't see that happening based upon the data that I see that we understand from a consumer's perspective as an example they may want to dress up and go have an in-store experience but frankly i think as you look towards the future of 2021 post-covid once that has been somewhat satiated and they experience the long lines at the checkout or the um lights that they have to sit through to get to there and find the lack of stock that may not be available the frustrations will clearly come out in the expansion of online business and continued growth there just from an expediency which is part of the experience at the same time and sort of directly correlated is the employee piece which is to say, while we see in examples of employees and uh, employers desirous to see the environment go back to in office, people have demonstrated their ability to be productive and I don't ever see that going back. And so consequently, it's only a shift going forward. It's almost like the level of casualness and dress that has continued on a trend i can remember you know even as late as um, 2005 or six going to new york and going to meetings with ties and you know now i wonder structured clothing and the reality is you know it's happening and the and i think the aspect that we've seen in all of our data indicates there's no turning back if anything you could grow your business by accelerating those trends because that's what consumers are looking so instead of i think trying to validate a point of view at this stage i think organizations would be best to to try to figure out how quickly the consumers changed and some companies are doing it better and some people have figured it out faster than others Um, but that's going to be the winning combination at this particular point so that's the prediction for 2021 that I think is critically important and I think you know uh, I don't I don't uh, desire to be push a point of view it's just the facts that we see the second uh part of your question, I think, which is looking beyond 2021, what do we see? And um, this may be a hearkening call to all of the companies that maybe are part of your audience, but the interesting aspect of what's happening post-2021, I think, is the two big trends that we see only continuing to accelerate at a much faster rate, which is the fragmentation of the consumer, which challenges brands to aggregate themselves to a large scale. Meaning, you know, it used to be that you could count on a segment of consumers to buy your products. And given the fact that consumers want, differentiation and personalization and their segmentation occurring and it's available online and it's only going to happen faster it challenges companies that are large who are built on scale and so that's one the second trend post is the growth of the manufacturer into a brand and I'm talking about the actual factories not the brands that are intermediaries to the factories I'm talking about the factories actually becoming product developers and we see that in some of the trends around you know uh, uh, M to C or C to M however you want to fer- refer to it right consumer to manufacture and I think those are the trends that many people need to be very aware of going into this year but then even further into the future
0: yeah for sure there's a lot of interesting points that you bring up Um, i think we'll see how things continue to evolve as people do start to come out there's you know the mixed sentiment of um are we gonna have the roaring 20s again you know um the 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 2021-22 version of that with all the pent-up demand but you know it being offset just with you permanently changed behaviors people Realizing maybe they'll go in three days a week, not five what does that mean as retailers target you know where their physical portfolio should be how much is it urban how much is it suburban uh, how, how do you intersect with somebody's life in that aspect um, you know there's just so many kind of I don't think there's a uh, there's so many like what ifs um, and and sort of variations of of the different answers that we could get
1: without a doubt and I think that there certainly is. There's a lot of pent up demand and frustration. I mean, we're all experiencing it, right? Um, I don't think anyone is absent of the fact of what's occurring in our environment today. But I think that uh, the tre- you you have to take that in in the sense of how consumers are going to respond in totality. And then as it relates to a specific category or brand or product itself, I I can tell you, you know, if you think about it, I've become, and many people and we're seeing this in data have become far more thoughtful about what they do and how they do things. And we're seeing this in data, right? Like average consumer investments, and it shifts quickly now where it took longer periods of time. Average consumer savings has gone up. Uh, I heard statistics um, that it's as high as twenty percent, and it shifted from seven during the crisis during this crisis process. Where that gets released and what it gets released on, I would not have expected it to be in car purchases, which are actually increasing, and in fact, you know, average ticket prices of used cars has gone up significantly, but you know, and does that continue post-COVID? Are people going to shift out and continue to shift outside of the city and metropolitan areas as they are today? Uh, Housing purchases are up, right, for a lot of reasons. Clearly, what we do know is the monetary policy isn't going to change in the near term. So consequently, you know, there's going to be a lot of capital available. I think that uh, there will be spending. There's no question. The question is, what they spend it on and how the companies capitalize on it, and it it can be as simple as positioning. I think uh, you know, words matter. So I, I submit to companies they should be trying to figure out what those exact words are if they're not going to change their products. But how to position them then?
0: No, that makes a ton of that makes a ton of sense. And um, and as long as I think, as a whole, we um, commit ourselves to listening and being agile. And, you know, it allow us to kind of pivot in the right ways to be as successful as possible. And those that don't, you know, they're going to have a, a tough battle ahead of them. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on today and sharing information about your new platform, the Next Generation Experience Management Platform. I think that there's so much value you can add across the four pillars that you spoke about today. Um, and there's so much to, to kind of figure out in the years ahead. So uh, hopefully we get to intersect uh, on a project that would be exciting, um, and yeah, any any last words for the audience before we go?
1: Oh, I wish everyone well for the for the holidays and into the new year and into twenty twenty one, and and uh, always enjoy the conversation. So thank you, Melissa.
0: Thank you so much, everyone. Again, this was uh, Greg Petro from First Insight. Uh, another episode of Retail Refined. Thank you. <laughs> I'm done. I'm